Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Cinematic Schematic, the official podcast of thecinematropolis.com, your home to thoughtful conversations on film. Today, we'll be joined by returning guest Lauren Weingart to review the first batch of episodes from the Disney Plus exclusive Marvel Cinematic Universe show, WandaVision. We'll start by giving our initial reaction to the series so far before going through each of the first four episodes in a spoiler-tastic fashion. We'll provide reviews, analysis, and a special corner talking about our very favorite Easter eggs for each episode. And then we'll close out the conversation by making our bold theories and predictions for what comes next. I am so excited about today's returning guest, Lauren Weingart. She is my COVID pandemic partner in crime, returning from our review together of Soul. Lauren Weingart, welcome back to the Cinematic Schematic. Thank you, and thanks for having me again. Of course, you were such a stellar guest. I, I had to bring you back on popular demand. Mm. Mm-hmm. If you enjoyed today's episode, I hope you'll consider heading on over to your preferred podcast app, be it Spotify or Apple Podcasts, uh, Stitcher Radio, whatever that podcast app may be, and giving us a subscribe or follow. And if you are using one of those podcast platforms that allows you to leave a rating and a review, particularly Apple Podcasts, please consider leaving us that rating and review to help us get discovered by more listeners just like you. So, Lauren, we are going to break the ice, so to speak, by just talking about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's on TV. Wow. As seen on TV. I can't believe it. I know. It's great. Uh, And in fact, like you were saying with movies and TV, this uh, TV show ties into a lot of the Marvel movies. Right? Well, that's the thing. This is okay, this is technically being released as a TV show. It's there are 9 episodes in total. We're going to be reviewing the first 4 today. Uh what, we're, what I'm calling Pod 1. This is not an official pod potting on this podcast. Pod 1 of episodes and then we'll we'll come back later in the season probably when Pod 2, meaning the next 5 episodes are done, roughly about in there to talk about how we feel about the season as a whole. But yes, uh the Marvel Cinematic Universe has always been on film. This is the first television series that has been released uh, episodically. And I, I actually think that, you know, the funny thing about Marvel is that they already, the movies already felt like a giant TV show anyway. Thinking about a big TV show where you get two episodes a year, all advancing the Infinity War saga, you know, and we just sort of finished season one, quote unquote, uh, of the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So this feels like a very natural follow-up. I should also point out that in 2020, it was the first year since 2009 that Marvel did not put out a film or a television show. That's right. The last time we had a break in the Marvel Cinematic Universe was between Iron Man 1 in 2008 and Iron Man 2 in 2010. So, Lauren, coming off of 10 years of build-up and then the, the biggest box office of all time with Avengers Endgame... After having a year off, I have to ask the question, did you miss the Marvel Cinematic Universe? I actually did, which is kind of funny because it was almost like we were on Marvel overload there for a while. It was like every other month almost seemed like there was like, you know, another Marvel movie coming out. And in fact, they started to seem very formulaic for me, you know, after a while. So with this show, WandaVision, it's not formulaic to what you usually see with the Marvel uh, universe. So I actually really like that. Well, I, I suspect it'll turn out to be very formulaic, just not in the same way that the movies to date have been. Um, so how about starting out? It was not formulaic. Okay. Okay. We'll get there. We'll get the next thing. We're not really going to know until the season is over, Mm -hmm. but so far it feels like a, a breath of fresh air. And I have to say, Lauren, I'm, I'm pretty in sync with you. I seriously, by the time we got to Endgame, was like, just let's wrap it up. I, we were up to three movies a year. Can you mm-hmm. believe that? Three Marvel movies a year. I remember I remember, I was starting to get burned out around mid-phase two when we were getting two a year. I was like, man, I just, can we wrap it up already? You know, I just feel like, and like you said, it's very templated. There was almost always an act three problem. They always had a hard time ending their movies. There was always like usually some intriguing elements to each film. Uh, I think about Captain America, Winter Soldier, for example, uh, or even Civil War. A lot of interesting ideas they lay out there, but they don't necessarily like follow through with a lot of the ideas they put out there, whether it's politics, whether it's the environment. 
Um, but you know, we did have some good ones in there. Obviously, I mean, Winter Soldier uh, was a really good one. Um, Civil War, which was far from perfect, was really really enjoyable. Uh, we had Black Panther, which I thought was a, an especially strong entry. So I will say, about the time that I was starting to get kind of bored with the quote unquote formula, they found some interesting ways to shake it up. Uh, we had Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, Volume One. Um, eh, volume two is all right, but you know what? They, they were throwing us some wild cards that made it, a, that, that sort of kept my interest. By the time we got to infinity war, I was like, oh, thank God, let's just wrap <laughs> it up. Let's take a break. Let's take a break. And you know, I don't think it was as Disney had planned, but we did in fact get a break for a year. And I have to say after not being able to see, after not being able to go and see any movie in the theater for over a year, uh, I guess right about a year now, I welcome the Marvel mm-hmm. Cinematic Universe back in my life. And they did so, they, they brought it back in a unique fashion. WandaVision is unique outside of the fact that it breaks the formula. It's also the first TV show produced and run by the same team and leadership team, I should say, that has done the films. So unlike the Netflix show, and uh, for those of you who are familiar, the Netflix shows are Daredevil, Iron Fist, Luke Cage, Jessica Jones, uh, and then the Defenders crossover series. And then there was also Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Now, it's I just want to call out that even though those technically were claiming to be part of the cinematic universe, Kevin Feige actually was not hands-on with any of those. In fact, uh, since <laughs> since uh, a recent uh, reorg uh, over at uh, Disney and Marvel, uh, the Netflix series have basically been removed from the canon altogether. Uh, I, although we'll see if that, that sticks. But uh, apparently Luke Cage and all those movies are not in the cinematic universe anymore. Uh, it's sort of vague. Uh, and then also agents of shield I've heard gets much better. Um, but I, I fell off after season one cause I got bored really fast. So needless to say, I actually think the, the Marvel cinematic universe, the, the previous Marvel shows, I should say all kind of meh. Yeah. They remind me of like, you know, CW, you know, the, that kind of, those kind of shows. It definitely WandaVision, is more like the movies, I would think. Yeah, and when it looks like it's budgeted like the movies, mm-hmm. like the, the visual effects actually look look mostly on par with what we'd see on the big screen. The production value is high, and there's lots more direct tie-ins to things that we know happen. Like, for example, we'll get into it, but uh, the blip plays a major part in, in this first pod of episodes, whereas, you know, we never saw any any real outcomes from the movies uh, impact those other Netflix shows at all. Uh, whereas agents of shield, they did a little bit here and there. Um, but yeah, no, this is certainly uh, much bigger now. Lauren, have you, d- did you keep up with any of those other shows I just mentioned? There's a bunch of them. So the only one I watched was uh, Jessica Jones. And then I believe Luke Cage was, you know, in that show. And then, then they had the spinoff. Uh, but I only watched that show and I liked it. Yeah. Season one of Jessica Jones in particular was very, very strong. Did you watch anything past season one though? I, I think I actually just watched season one. I might've st- started season two, but yeah, just like, you know, I more so I'm not the one to be drawn to those kind of shows. You know, I would, I think at the time when I started watching, I was like, Oh, you know, Marvel, you know, but it's just, it's not like the movies, uh, but it was still pretty enjoyable. Yes. Uh, yeah, most definitely. I think that's the story of a lot of folks. I, I watched season one, thought it was fun and started season two and didn't finish it. Or mm-hmm. I, oh yeah. And season two came out and never got around to it. Uh, I would say I'm pretty, um, pretty in line with you there as well. I watched season one of all those except for iron fist. Cause I heard it was very bad. Mm-hmm. And I also did not watch the Defenders crossover. So I watched season one and two of Daredevil and season one of Jessica Jones and Luke Cage. Did not watch any of the follow-up seasons to those others. See, I w- I like the idea of the Defenders. Like if you did, like we're invested in all of them and then it's like, oh, they're all coming together. Yeah, yeah. See, but see, the, here's where it bit, bit people in the butt. They actually thought the Defenders was going to tie into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And JK, no, 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 not anymore. Uh, and maybe Kevin Feige will find a way to work it in there. I know there's been some rumors that Charlie Cox, who played Daredevil, might show up in the next Spider Man movie. A lot of rumors out mm. there. Uh, but, you know, uh, so far, none of it's technically canon. So, WandaVision however, is very much canon and very much feels like the next chapter, the beginning of the next chapter of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And by the way, ladies and gentlemen, the next chapter of the Marvel Cinematic Universe 
Yes, there's still going to be films. We're not really sure when we're going to start getting them. Hopefully, we'll we'll get Black Widow, which has been delayed several times. I believe as of this recording is still scheduled for the spring of this year, though I'm expecting it to get kicked to the fall of this year. But we will still get movies. But for those of you who have been keeping up with the, the world of the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the news, you might have heard at the December Investor Briefing, by the way, yes, we get all of our news now. We live in a world where all of our major pop culture news comes from an investor briefing. If you tuned in, they announced a massive, massive upcoming slate of uh, programs and, and TV shows uh, across uh, Star Wars as well, but it's Marvel in particular. We got trailers for The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, a spinoff starring uh, those two characters coming March 19th. Uh, there's the long-discussed Loki TV series, which is coming in May. Uh, there is the What If that's coming in summer of 2021. What If is where they sort of go back and reanimate parts of the of the series and say, what if it was a little different? Mm. Um, also coming on the slate, all of these were referenced in that investor briefing, uh, is Hawkeye in 2022, Ms. Marvel in late 2021, Moon Knight starring Oscar Isaac coming soon, Secret Invasion coming soon, and that's just a few of... Uh, the upcoming Marvel projects. So, ladies and gentlemen, you thought we were on Marvel overload before when we were getting three movies a year. Imagine three year movies. A, imagine three movies a year and five series a year. So, Lauren, I have to ask you: Does this next wave of Marvel projects excite you? I think it kind of excites me. Uh, like you said before, now that we've had this, you know break that wasn't intended it's kind of like oh you know i could i could really use some new content so like bring it on and you know when i'm thinking of end game i'm thinking of the end of it and it, it really set up for you know the falcon you know when captain america gives him the shield so totally saw that coming and <clears throat> with the winter soldier uh, i'm curious to see how that goes it's not you know necessarily two characters that i guess i would I'm not going to lie, Lauren, when they announced that, I kind of roll, rolled my eyes a little bit. I was like, I don't. I like Bo I like Falcon enough mm -hmm. as a support character in the Captain America movies. I think Bucky's extremely vanilla. Mm -hmm. uh, so of all the, all the series they announced, that one's the one that was the least interesting to me. Yeah, I, I kind of agree on that. Uh, but for the others? Um... In Loki. Yeah, oh, Loki. Tom Hiddle We're getting Tom Hiddleston back, baby. He, yeah. he, they killed him off. He's back, though, and he's back as proto-Loki. This is alternate reality. So this is Loki following the original Avengers 2012. Not So it's like Lo the, it, he's still the mischievous, evil Loki, not the one that has the redemption arc and, and Thor the Dark World and Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, so this one, yes, I'm definitely excited for. Probably would be the most excited for this one out of all the ones that you mentioned coming up. And I know, I think it was, yeah, it was an end game where, you know, he takes the infinity stone and goes somewhere. And so everyone was thinking, well, uh, that maybe this means we're going to get, you know, that story of like, where'd he go? And it's where, you know, it's not going to be the end of Loki, which all, I think all fans want. So. Yes, most definitely. So, so many different upcoming projects to look forward to. I have to say the one I'm most excited about. Yeah. Is Loki. I also really like the idea of what if, because mm -hmm. I just think alternate reality stories are lots of fun. Yeah. I think that one will be pretty fun. And we'll get into it here in a little bit, but I suspect that what if is tipping the hand to the fact that we are very much entering into the next phase of the Marvel cinematic universe, which I believe is going to put a huge emphasis on the multiverse, which we'll talk about more later. But without further ado, we have talked about all the things Marvel coming up. Let's actually talk about WandaVision. Heavenly shades of night are falling. It's twilight time. Out of Wanda and Vision. Oh, we have five pets. This is our home now. I want us to fit in. Oh, this is gonna be a gas. Where did you two move from? How long have you been married? And why don't you have children yet? Our story. I think what my wife means to say is that we moved from... Moved from where? Married when? Damn it, why? Oh, Arthur, stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Dead. No. Why would you think that? Because you are. 
According to IMDb, WandaVision blends the style of classic sitcoms with the MCU in which Wanda Maximoff and Vision, two superpowered beings living their ideal suburban lives, begin to suspect that everything is not as it seems. So, Lauren, we're going to, of course, we are going to dive into each episode individually. But first, as a whole, first four episodes, what did you think of WandaVision? What did you like? What didn't you like? How'd you feel about it? I really liked it. And I really liked that they, you know, did this whole old episode, you know, the old tropes and everything. It was, it was a little unexpected. Uh, you know, they could have just gone the easy route and just done, like I said, a normal formulaic, you know, uh, story of these two. Uh, but they did it in a parody, which I always appreciate parody and, um, and you know, everyone's about nostalgia right now. So it really, it really hit uh, home for me on all those, on all those things. And then of course you kind of have the good, like the mystery with it. Cause you know, she kind of tell, you don't really know exactly what's going on, but you can tell that there's something weird is going on. And so that really intrigues me as well. So you find yourself intrigued by it on the whole. I personally am less warm on it than you, I think. I am actually really glad we're doing this in pods versus week to week because I thought the first two episodes in particular, it was really hard for me to understand exactly why the whole point of what we were watching was because it felt like 95% genre exercise or riff on those old school sitcoms and only 5% actual story. Cause obviously we, the audience know that something is up. She knows something's up, but we only have the first two episodes. It's very, very minimal that we actually get little clues at what that is. Episode three is a much bigger break. Episode three, it's more like a 70, 30, like 70% sitcom, 30%. Oh, there's some bigger stuff going on here. So episode three picked up momentum. Of course, when, once we get to episode four, you actually get a much, much better sense of the full picture of what we're actually watching. And you're like, okay, now I'm intrigued because I know that this is going somewhere. Whereas I, I think it, it really just did not feel, and those first two episodes did not feel to me like, it was going anywhere other than, oh, isn't it cool that we're riffing on these sitcoms? And that is cute. And it was fun. But, you know, you're like, I don't know, just the first two. I I, I, I kind of was like, is this going to be this is, is this going to be it? We're just going to do a different decade every week. Um, so the, the way that in which they have revealed the information has been very satisfying. And that really brings me to my next question here, which is we live in binge culture. We mentioned the Netflix shows earlier. All of those shows came out all at once. You got, I think. I think 13 episodes for each of those seasons all on one weekend on one day. So theoretically you could watch the whole season like that. Have you preferred watching this week to week or do you wish you could binge this whole thing at one time? I like that it comes out week to week. Um, and I think we've talked about this before. It's, takes you back to, you know, the old way that you used to watch TV. You used to have to wait a week and, and that whole week you get to, think about it and theorize and talk to your coworkers or friends and like, you know, Oh, you know, and you get excited. Whereas when you just binge it, it's just like, Oh, it's over and done with. You don't get to have those moments of, you know, thinking or theorizing too much. Um, and, but I do, I do see what you're saying about, you know, not, you not being intrigued very in the beginning. I think that's probably why they had the first two, you know, come out, uh, at the, the same Friday because they were very similar. And so if it did come out the next week, it'd be like, Oh, okay, well it's the same kind of thing. Let's get this going. Um, but I actually, I actually liked it because they still did give you little clues, even in the, the first one. So I think it, I think it was meant to be that way. I think it was meant to be like, we are just, stepping away from reality. This is our reality and we're just going to to go with it. Almost kind of like how Wanda might be might be acting. Ooh, that seems like a little bit of analysis there. The audience is much like Wanda, just go with it. This is the new reality. Mm -hmm. Don't ask questions. Yeah. And uh, no, I I'm actually glad you mentioned that. I do I also prefer the week to week. I I did a Game of Thrones a weekly recap of Game of Thrones for several years and I think in the as things have moved much more to the binge model, I've realized how rewarding it is to have the week to week. Like you said, talk to your friends about it, whether it's a, I mean, if you're going into an office, having those water cooler chats, theorizing, 
it just occupies your brain and you're and you're able to escape for a little longer versus the binge model where if it comes out in one weekend, it's done in a weekend. Like I've already thought about WandaVision for a longer duration of time than I have any season of Stranger Things and WandaVision's only on episode four. And it's only been out for three weeks. But we've got five more weeks of WandaVision to look forward to. And I, I think it's just gonna be a part of the conversation for longer. And overall, I think the thing, I like the balance. I think, I like that they dropped more than one episode at once. I think if they had done episodes one through three on the first day and then followed up week to week, I think I could have been on board with it. Because I actually feel like episode three gives you a much more interesting like teaser. Like I, I feel like you can actually start putting theories together after episode three, where episode one and two, you're like, I mean, it could be anything. But of course, episode four actually reveals quite a lot about the, the entire situation. Another question here is, does this feel like an essential viewing? I think it is. Uh, so you definitely have to know these characters. Uh, a lot of the cheesy jokes that they do in the beginning that are supposed to uh, be like the old sitcom shows, the all kind of humor they had, only actually are funny because you, you know, you know things about these characters. Um, so, and I think the show answers a lot of questions about some other things that uh, happen in other movies uh, and, and things that uh, one thing, at least I think is very, uh, but I, you know, I won't spoil it, but every Marvel fan would want to know. Yeah. And of course we are going to spoil these uh, once we get into the episode by episode breakdown. So we'll, we'll hold there. Uh, looking at what you've seen so far, do you think this works well for TV or do you think it would be better suited for the big screen? I like it uh, for TV because, I mean, that's what it's trying to represent is, you know, TV sitcom. So I think it fits as TV. I'm much more curious about the Loki, how the Loki show and the Winter Soldier and the Falcon show works out. Mm -hmm. uh, but this definitely, yeah, WandaVision, it's kind of baked into the premise, mm -hmm. right? Like it's, it's, a, it's a riff on sitcoms yeah. in particular. I do think that there are some moments that might look a little cooler on the big screen, but I think they've adapted very well to the media of, of television. Lauren, is there any other thoughts you'd like to relay to listeners before who maybe haven't seen the first four episodes before we jump into our spoiler-tastic breakdown of each episode? I don't think so. I think I'm ready to get into the spoilers. All right. The woman has spoken. Ladies and gentlemen, if you have not watched WandaVision's episodes one through four, go ahead and tune out now. All right, episode one is titled Filmed Before a Live Studio Audience. This is the debut of the next chapter of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, No Pressure. Do you think this was a, a good first episode, Lauren? I think so. It really caught my attention. Uh, you know, it had the Dick Van Dyke thing going for it. And in fact, in the opening, it even did the, he almost trips over the chair like he always does, but, but you know, he can just go through it because he's vision. Um, so... But yeah, you're kind of, uh, you're definitely the most in the first step. You're like, like, oh, what's going on? Like, this is just full on sitcom. Like, um, but it, it caught my attention. I really wanted to see what was going to happen next because I knew that uh, it was going to start giving me answers slowly but surely. And in fact, uh, one of the things that uh, I thought was just the first thing that kind of gave you a little bit of sneak peek of maybe what's going on is they had a commercial in it. And I thought that that was really neat too, that they incorporated a commercial, you know, uh, and this is where we see the first color which is the uh, red button on the Stark toaster. Always a Stark messing with stuff, man. <laughs> Always a Stark. I, th I thought this was a fun debut. I felt like when the episode was done, we, we got the first two episodes together, which was nice. But I had the same feeling at the end of both of them, which is, wow, this is a great teaser for what's coming next. But I felt that twice, unfortunately. Um, that said, I thought this was a great debut. I did love the charm of the of the Dick Van Dyke tribute. Uh, they even apparently even Kevin Feige even met with Dick Van Dyke, the man, the legend himself, yeah. to talk about how they did the show. And so you know, it, I I thought like the attention to detail, both in the the the, the laughing cues, mm -hmm. uh, the visual gags, all of it worked really really well. It also highlights, I think. Uh, just how sort of like sexist and misogynist old TV shows were because holy smokes. Uh, I don't know. What, what, what did you make of the way they kind of painted their different like like gender roles? Yeah, actually, I'm glad you mentioned that because uh, throughout 
each episode that we've seen so far, episode one through four, they make clear, um, like comments about pretty much women not being smart enough or not being competent enough. And then, and then you can kind of see Wanda like, what the heck, you know? And so I, I kind of, and they've done it enough to where I think that might play in, in later episodes. Well, it's really interesting. And we'll of course kind of touch on this as we go through episode by episode, but how it sort of slowly, but surely gets slightly less sexist. Like in the first I mean, episode one film of, uh, for a live studio audience, the women were all wearing dresses. They, there were no women in the office even like, you know what I mean? Like it was just a very cut and dry. And, and, uh, the idea that, uh, vision's boss would come over for dinner and like judge vision based off of his wife being kind of clumsy. She wasn't being clumsy. There was obviously like stuff afoot, but that was his kind of, he was jumping to that conclusion. You're like, Whoa, boy. TV's changed a lot since the fifties. <laughs> yeah. Even had the two beds apart, just like in I love Lucy. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. The two separate beds. Yeah. I thought that was, that was really charming as well. So again, a lot of attention to detail. They definitely studied, you know, these different shows that they kind of were paying tribute to. Did anything stick out to you as like a, your favorite part of the episode maybe, or maybe not my favorite, but what definitely gave it away for, for me that this was, you know, leading into much bigger than just, you know, this parody was the end credits when you see it go out of the TV screen and then you see color and you see someone's hand like writing in a notebook and we see this uh, symbol. And so I was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Like this is like, this is going to lead to more, you know? So that, that's why I didn't mind the first two episodes, uh, kind of being more, uh, of a parody because I, I know, I knew that it was going to eventually pay off. Yeah, no, I, uh, I, I really, I agree that the homage to those old shows is definitely, the, is definitely the strong point. I, I would, I would actually say though, my favorite part, the thing that sticks out to me is I find the setup to be really, really genuinely intriguing. We know that there's something up. We don't know what it is. We honestly have no clue. I would still say after the first two episodes, you have basically no clue about what's going on. There are the the commercial, which we've seen in the first one. You know, it's got the Stark Industries, and that's one of the only places we see color. You know, it. there's just a lot of big questions I had. So I think it sets up a really intriguing premise, which really has me rethinking. I think maybe my bigger problems with episode two than episode one. Mm-hmm. Because episode one, it was a, it was a solid opening overall, I would say. I, I felt like I wanted to see more. I wanted to see where it was going. I was wondering, hey, what what's even the point of the story uh, that we're, we're talking about? So yes, I would say episode one, great premise setup. Charming as all get out. Very enjoyable. Lots of big questions too. Like, hey, isn't Vision dead? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which we'll get into later. But isn't he dead? You know, so if so, how is he alive? What's 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 going on here? And why is Wanda stuck in a bunch of sitcoms? All great questions. Let's go ahead and just get into episode two while we're at that and the opening for episode two, because there actually is a lot of Easter eggs that come up in this episode. Uh, obviously, you can tell it's like bewitched. Uh uh, very much so like that. And um, it's got, it's got uh, vibes of Bewitched and I Dream of Genie yes, was yeah. another one with mm-hmm. the, the animated opening, like the mm-hmm. animated, the light bit of animation incorporate into the opening. Which I used to watch those shows, you know. Uh, yeah, when I was uh, a kid, Nick TV, at night, TV yeah, Nick Land. At, Nick at Night and TV Land in the, in the 90s, this was the stuff they played. I So I love Bewitched. So this really, I really liked it. Um, so just a few things that were in the opening that maybe someone would see, maybe not. Um one thing that you will actually see throughout the shows is this hexagon shape. Uh, you see it a lot in the openings. You see it um, in the, you know, the shape of the town and just, so at the very beginning, there is a hexagon shape of stars that shine around the moon at the very beginning of the opening. And these are representing the six infinity stones. So there's a scene where she's in the, grocery store in the opening and you can see uh, signs in the back. And so there is a few that are a nod to Marvel comic book characters, which may or may not show up later. I guess we'll see what characters. Okay. So uh, one of them is I gotta ask. Yeah, of course. Okay. So they have, uh, it either says wonder oats or wonder mints and then, cause she's kind of covering it, but uh, this is supposed to represent the Avenger Wonder Man. And then right next to it, it says Bova milk. 
and this uh, represents Bova the humanoid cow, uh, which actually in the comic books helps uh, raise Wanda. Uh, and then the other one, which I think is going to play a part, uh, it says Auntie A's kitty litter, which I think this is a nod to Agatha Harkness, uh, and her cat Ebony. And I think Agatha Harkness is going to show up. Yes. And people online have theorized that Agnes, the noise, the nosy neighbor is actually Agatha Harkness. And she, uh, if you notice Agnes, the neighbor wears a brooch. And so does the character Agatha. That, ladies and gentlemen, is an eagle-eyed viewer. <laughs> I didn't even catch that. So yeah, uh, great little Easter egg finds right there. Uh, I think there's only going to be more to come there. And I didn't even catch the Infinity Stone. So uh, thanks for sharing that uh, with us. Now, here's the thing about the second episode. I really genuinely felt like the second episode didn't offer enough to keep me interested. I walked away from the first episode saying, oh, excited to see what comes next. And episode two gave us some weird stuff, but it, it kind of felt like a half an episode because honestly, it's one of those where I'm really invested. The thing I want to be invested in is, oh, what's really going on here? Mm-hmm. And most of the episode was just dedicated to their whole like magic show deal. And, you know, the magic show thing was really fun, but I just didn't care because I'm like, OK, I know the magic show is fun. Da, 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 OK, but what's really going on? You know, I kept wanting to I wanted to get more than I got in the episode. Now, of course, we did have the moment. Um, I think this is where she we see the helicopter in the bush. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, the helicopter propeller, which is colored. And then also we have the man who crawls out of the sewer in the second half of the episode, which are the, the man crawling out of the sewer. looks like he's wearing like with the, with the bees flying around. Mm hmm genuinely creepy and kind of unsettling i have to say yeah that was creepy it reminded and it reminded me still of like an old show like an old like thriller show like twilight zone or something you know here's one thing i wanted to note about that it's really interesting the way that so that that scene occurs in the house you see them like having a discussion about the the baby right Mm -hmm. and then when they so in the house it still feels very like 1960s sitcom Mm -hmm. but when they walk out into the driveway total shift in style Mm. yeah Yeah, it it feels like the twilight zone or even something a little more modern and contemporary and that's why you see it like rewind and they just sort of like um, pretend it didn't happen Mm -hmm. mentioning the man coming out of the sewer on his uh coat that or suit that he's wearing you see this sword figure or symbol on that, which is the same symbol uh, that you can see on the helicopter that she finds. Um, So, and then it's, and then it's colored. So that's kind of weird. So, and I want to point out also that there is the number 57 on the helicopter. 57. Yes. And this is a reference to Avengers 57 comic book, which is the first appearance of the vision. Goodness, ladies and gentlemen, Lauren's taking me to school. I don't really have much to say else about uh, episode two other than that, hey, women were wearing pants and there were people of color in it. So that's a step past <laughs> episode one. Well, one thing, yeah, like you said, like there was like a rewind, you know, on that moment where she saw the guy coming out of the sewer and she was kind of like, no, you know. And so I think that this is her just kind of being like, you know, nope, we're going to go back to uh wonderful life wonderful sitcom everything's good and so that's kind of what i think is going on there and kind of get you kind of start to get the feeling that wanda maybe is controlling this that maybe wanda's powers lend themselves to creating realities alternate realities or illusions creating Mm -hmm. grand illusions you could say yeah, no, I, I think that's a good call out. And we, we certainly get a lot more of that in episode three. Uh, well, I guess we should call out before we move from episode two to episode three is that uh, episode two, Don't Touch That Dial, concludes with the shift to color. So at the very, very end, the, the color come, like sweeps through the clouds and everything's changed to color. And then all of a sudden, boom, we are now in the 1970s. Mm-hmm. which takes us right into episode three now in color so now in color of course takes place in the 70s and feels much more reminiscent of something like the brady bunch uh what was your favorite part of this riff on 70s sitcoms mm, the dad jokes <laughs> there were lots of dad jokes i have to say my my it was so funny he they 
Oh, and to speak, you know, the doctor was trying to talk to her about her pregnancy. He's like, oh, well, you know, we usually tell the women in fruit so they can understand, <laughs> like, how big the baby is, you know. And then uh, Vision goes, I'm, uh, I can't wait to be a papaya. <laughs> and he's holding the papaya. <laughs> I'm glad you brought up the thing about the Vision with the, the dad jokes. There was something about the way both of them spoke that felt very, something to the cadence the, the way the jokes landed, the way the lines landed, it sometimes looked like the, the, the lip syncing wasn't 100%, like they'd been dubbed over, over, which was definitely a thing that happened in 70s TV shows. It, so I, I thought those were very, very subtle, but very nice touches that they added to the, the episode. Uh, I also think it's really funny that women weren't allowed to be pregnant on TV until the 70s, apparently. I'm glad you mentioned that because <laughs> that was another one of my favorite tropes that they did is uh, Geraldine comes over and she does all like the things that they used to do in TV to hide the fact that, the, you know, the actress was pregnant. You know, you you put she had the bowl of fruit in front of her and it's like, oh, Geraldine just didn't even notice that <laughs> she was pregnant. And then she's like, oh, and put on an oversized coat or b- put a big table in front of you. So I thought that was funny. Yeah, no, it, it was, a, again, a very nice nod to that entire era. And I, you know, I. It's funny when you find out that she's pregnant in episode two, you're thinking it's going to be like, that's going to be like the series. Are. I even thought for a moment, again, not knowing where this is going. I was like, oh man, maybe this is the series. It's her having a child and coming to terms with motherhood. Nope. They have them babies by the end of the episode. <laughs> not one baby, but two. Yeah. The twins. Uh, and then she actually mentions to Geraldine that she was a twin. Like Pietro. Yeah. Pietro. Quicksilver who unfortunately was killed by Ultron. Mm-hmm. Did Ultron kill him? <laughs> uh, by the way, what did you think of this sequence? Because it, it was it was kind of eerie the way it all went down, mm-hmm. you know, because obviously Geraldine knows more than she's letting on, so she asks that question, but when she realized Wanda's, like, losing her marbles, you know. Mm-hmm. I think it's the same with uh, Vision and even Wanda. Like, sometimes they get in this mode of, like, kind of realizing what's actually going on. You know, and I think that was the same for Geraldine in this moment. You know, maybe before then she, you know, didn't know that she was in this. Uh, she was just knew, knew that it was real. And then she's like, wait a minute. And, you know, she's like, didn't he got killed by Ultron, didn't he? And she was like, wait, what? Why are you asking about that? Yeah. Like, you should know that you're not my neighbor. You're not my friend. Which also leads me to the point, you know, this is the the moment, of course, when Vision walks outside and starts talking to the mm-hmm. neighbors. Like, okay, so here's a question, I, a genuine question I have. Are these neighbors real people? I don't know. I think we get some, I think we get some, some answers, maybe in episode four, mm-hmm. but I was genuinely, when we were watching, I was like, I don't. Like who, who of these people are real? Like, mm-hmm. cause some, obviously there's some illusions going on. Mm-hmm. I, you know, especially the way R- Wanda reacts really makes you think like, Oh, it was probably Wanda is, has a role that she's playing, mm-hmm. whether directly or indirectly, she is somehow creating this, this false reality. Mm-hmm. But how much of this is like, are the neighbors all just playing along? Uh, are they, uh, are they fake people? Are they not real at all? Like what, what's going on? But the way they reacted is they were all very scared. So it's almost like they feel like their life is in danger. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I got that feeling too. And because up until then, you know, it just seemed like Geraldine was just like anyone else, you know, just another neighbor. Uh, but then they are like suspecting her. They're like, she doesn't have a home, you know? And then, so of course, vision's like, Oh, that is weird. Of course, the episode ends with, uh, as we've said, Wanda removing Geraldine from the picture. So uh, Geraldine is launched away. She just got, well, firstly, she's actually just gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Wanda, when Vision walks back in to kind of tell Wanda about how terrified the neighbors were, Geraldine's gone. And he's like, where is she? Oh, she went home. She had to go home all of a sudden. Which, of course, at this moment, he's like, no, I just learned she doesn't have a home. You know, so I think he's starting to suspect that. You know, something something weird's going on. Um, you know, before we get in episode four, I just want to mention that uh, there was a couple other commercials that showed up. Uh, in the second episode, it was for the Strucker watch, and it had the Hydra symbol on it. And then there was all... Oh, and then in the third episode, there's one for Hydra Soak. Right. And so, 
so you see the end of episode three, you see her launched out and you see all these like helicopters and cars and lights coming over. So you're you're like, Oh, okay. What is this? Like, is this, is this shield? Is this Hydra? Like what's going on? Yeah, I know. A genuine question is like, what, what exactly is going on? Uh, obviously she's launched outside of, uh, this, the sort of compound. So she is, it, it appears to be some sort of bubble. And that takes us right into episode four, which is We Interrupt This Program, which is a very <laughs> clever name. I it, like that name for it, yeah, because it's perfect. They, yeah, well, they basically cut back, and we, this is where we finally get to see uh, the four picture. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I just want to reiterate, the reason I think episode three would have been a stronger conclusion to the first, like like maybe the, the premiere, is because I feel like there's actually way more room to speculate. Like when you have some parameters, like a, some like – sandbox but you know the boundaries you can start you know some of the players you can actually start constructing really interesting theories versus the first two episodes i was like wow it feels like anything's possible Mm -hmm. episode three seeing that this is contained within a certain i thought it was a compound uh Mm -hmm. but it is as we find out a town and that there are people outside trying to get in uh, is another thing that's noteworthy so uh, we interrupt this program sort of takes us back geraldine first up we find out that geraldine um, is actually uh, Monica Rambo, played by uh, Tayana Paris. This is a character we've seen before. We probably didn't realize it when mm-hmm. she was in 1970s attire in WandaVision, but uh, she actually made an appearance in Captain Marvel. Uh, her mother was best friends with uh, Carol Danvers. So this is a, a character we are actually somewhat familiar with, and she blipped. She was one of the people who disappeared uh, when the snap happened and then returned. Um, and I thought this was actually a really, really impactful sequence, this, uh, return. Uh, so Lauren, g- give me your perspective here. What did you think of this, uh, opening sequence? And we interrupt this program. Oh man. Episode four changed everything. Um, like you said, it starts out with her in a hospital returning because, and you can see how, you know, all the dust and she even sees her hands uh, coming back together. So, you know, that, and then you hear all this commotion. So, you know, this is like the moment that everyone's like coming back, which is actually really interesting because we haven't seen a lot about that. We, and especially the moment uh, that people come back, uh, we just saw the perspective uh, in Endgame, and then they kind of mentioned it a little bit. I think it was in uh, Spider-Man Far From Home. Yeah. They, they, well, we get the term the blip mm-hmm. in Spider-Man Far From Home, and we get like the aftermath kind of vibe. We don't really see what what did the actual return of all these people look like in real time? Mm-hmm. We, uh, we saw the epic version where all the mm-hmm. people come through the portals and whatnot, but this is what it looked like on the on the street level. Hey, I was I disip- when I snapped I snapped out of existence. I was in this hospital. Oh, all of a sudden I'm back in this hospital. Mm-hmm. I was here visiting my mo- mom. Oh, she beat the cancer. Where's she at? Oh no, she died. Yeah, it came back. Oh, what? Yeah, you've been gone five years. <laughs> it's like, ooh, boom, <laughs> mind blown. What's interesting because a bomb on you. Well, yeah, well, for 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 people who snapped, it's like they were just they were just they never left. It was just right. a moment later. So she thought it was five years ago. Um, and then of course, you know, the hospital is just like there's so many people and running around confused. And when you think about it, yeah, that's probably like how it would be. All these people just appearing. If randomly. half of the world's yeah. population just returned out of nowhere, exactly where they exactly were where before they were. that. Insane, right? Yeah. Um, so also going back to her being a character in Captain Marvel, uh, I actually didn't know that until you mentioned it. And I was like, oh, yeah, you know, she's the little girl. And so Captain Marvel nicknames her Lieutenant Trouble. And then if you look back at when she's waking up, you can kind of hear Captain Marvel say, Lieutenant Trouble. Mm. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Nice little, little uh, tie in. Uh, this episode also sees the return of other MCU alums, Kat Dennings as Darcy mm. Lewis. We haven't seen her in, in a hot minute. Um, we also have uh, Randall Park returns as Jimmy Woo, mm. who returns from Ant-Man and the Wasp. I'm so, I was so excited about both of these characters. I was like, Agent Woo. <laughs> and then he and it was funny because when you first see him is when Monica uh, goes to meet him so they can go investigate what's going on in Westview, this town. Um, and so, and then he does the little card trick, which was a nod to uh, Ant-Man when uh, he was always trying to do or Ant-Man and the Wasp when he was trying to do the card tricks and he can never get it right. And it's like, oh, he finally got it right. <laughs> yeah, no, most definitely. Within the first three weeks of her coming back, she heads back to where she works and we find 
find out that it is Sword Headquarters. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, which is this uh, in this uh, show is uh, Sentinel Weapon Observer Observation Response Division. Yes. So yeah. So Monica goes back to work. Yes. Yeah. She goes back to work for Sword. Yeah. It's it's probably important for us to uh, acknowledge this other organization. Not shield, but sword, which is interesting because that's an attack weapon, not a defense weapon, which I am is curious. Sword, which stands for Sentient Weapon Observation and Response Division, uh, better known by its acronym SWORD, uh, which I find fascinating because it uh, is a reference to an attack, whereas shield is the defense. Mm-hmm. It's it, that's that's kind of curious. I don't know if it's going to lead to anything, but yeah. it's a uh, it's it's uh it's the sister company, <laughs> and. Uh, so now you can kind of conclude that you see the sword symbol and that is the sword symbol that we've been seeing everywhere. Like on the helicopter, Geraldine had a necklace and she was like, what is that necklace? That was that symbol. Yeah, no, for sure. But I, you know, I feel like, uh, and, and yeah, we see here go in and then we see from her point of view, go into the town and we get a better, we should have a better sense of exactly what's going on. And so of course this, this episode provided a lot of different answers and explanation for questions um, from the first three episodes. Were you pretty satisfied with the direction it went in? Oh, I was, I was very satisfied because, <laughs> and this is what I knew would happen. You know, I knew that there was going to be some sort of payoff and of course, and it's very meta uh, this episode because it, it keeps going, it keeps referring back to the, the first episodes as uh, agent Wu and Darcy Lewis are, finally get the broadcast and they like see the that there's a sitcom going on they're kind of like wait a minute what's going on here uh and so uh that's when they start trying to figure out who all these people are and then you you find out that all these people that are her neighbors are actual people yeah so yeah confirmation uh, my question was are these real people in episode three yeah confirmation these are all apparently all real people that are living in this in this town uh or in her sitcom and it just makes me kind of wonder the circumstances in which she created this town. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah, no, but I, I feel like it's pretty good. And of course, uh, Monica Rambo, um, AKA Geraldine uh, at the end says it's Wanda. It's all Wanda. And then we mm-hmm. sort of go back and see episode, the end of episode three play out again from a different perspective uh, where no Wanda is literally manipulating the entire reality around the town. So none of this is obviously none of this is real. So it begs a couple of different questions. Why is, uh, why is she doing this? And what does it mean for the Marvel cinematic universe? Uh, I've got some thoughts here, but I wanted to see what you thought first. Well, um, before we saw episode four, I kind of had a feeling that it was Wanda, that she was manipulating this whole thing. Um, and then episode four kind of, yeah, it kind of confirmed it for me a little bit. Um, and I think, you know, we know that vision died. In fact, you know, Darcy's like, he's like dead, right? Not, not blip dead. <laughs> not blipped. He's dead. He actually died. That, yeah, that's yeah. correct. So for, for listeners who don't recall in an infinity war vision straight up, like got dead, yeah. not, and not from the snap. Like he was dead pre-snap, meaning mm-hmm. he actually died. My theory was, you know, she is devastated, distraught from losing vision. And so to escape the misery, you know, and the grief, she's just going to pretend like, you know, we're just going to escape to this world that I'm going to create, you know, and she, and she has the powers to do, you know, pretty much anything. So she's created this world for herself and that world includes vision. However, she's able to do this is a way that she can have him back. Right, so she's able to escape to her own fantasy, and, and we honestly don't know a lot about her backstory pre Avengers uh, Ultron. And I suspect she probably grew up watching lots and lots of uh, sitcoms, so it's sort of like a, an escape, uh, in the same way a lot of people watch escape into the Marvel Cinematic Universe yeah. to escape from the reality. Yeah, right? I'm glad you I mentioned that because you know when when you think about when you do think about her past uh, that you know of, she didn't have a normal childhood. You know, she, she grew up and she was pretty much used by, she was an experiment. Yeah. She was an experiment and just people used her for her powers and her brother. And so she doesn't know a normal life. And you're right. Maybe that one point, you know, when she was younger, they had like a little TV where, you know, that, and that was her escape probably is like, Oh, I'm just going to escape in TV as you know, a lot of people do. And so this is her trying to have the life, 
that she wanted based off of the TV shows that she saw. That's a theory. Yeah. Well, and I think uh, applying that to the meta level, uh, maybe maybe the show is saying, hey, we shouldn't escape to television but yet face reality. Mm. I don't know. The jury's still out on exactly what direction the show is going to go with this, but uh, you know, in the same way that, you know, our characters, Jimmy Woo are in, you know, um, Kat Dennings are, are watching the, they're watching WandaVision. We're watching WandaVision. <laughs> and, you know, so what does that say about it? There's a certain layer of like that, the meta reading here that the, the, uh, they're, they're trying to tell us something yeah. by we're watching a show about people watching a show that's not real. You know, mm-hmm. so I'm interested to see if they do anything with that. What was sort of the idea that the show is is pushing out there? And my biggest concern is actually that they're not going to do anything with that. It's just going to be like a fun thing, which is what the Marvel Cinematic Universe has done a lot. They're like they'll they'll put something interesting, like I don't know, the government at the highest level has been infiltrated by Nazis, and mm. you're like, whoa, that's crazy, and they don't really do anything with it. And you're like, well, that was a cool idea. I wish you guys would have said something. <laughs> they do that a lot, so I hope this is not another one of those scenarios. I, and I think, you know, as we start to, to head towards the conclusion of this conversation, Lauren, I'm wondering what's next, because I actually feel like episode four answered. They had already put out like all these sort of like teases, like the man and the, 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 the outfit, the suit who calls out the sewer, uh, mm-hmm. the helicopter, you know, um, uh, the Geraldine, what? like we, we already like all that stuff. All those answers in my mind have been have all, all those answers have been provided by episode four. So yeah. With five more episodes left, obviously there's things ahead of us, but where's it going to go from here? Yeah, you're right. It really did answer everything. I mean, it went back on uh, everything. We find out that at the end of that episode, that was actually Darcy Lewis's hand that was at the end of the credits. And then we find out it was Agent Wu that was trying to contact Wanda through the radio. Wanda, Wanda. Who's doing this to you, Wanda? And so uh, that and that was meta in that sense. And so, but yeah, you're right. I think it went it went through every single uh, previous three episodes uh, and kind of answered. So it is kind of the question, like, what's going to happen next? Uh, I think we can tell um, just from previews that the next episode is probably going to have be the '80s. You know, we did the '70s. Now we're going to be in the '80s. Full House. <laughs> I was thinking. I don't know. Like, I guess. Growing pains. Uh, I get, oh, that's a good one. And then uh, I was thinking Saved by the Bell, but I guess that's more 90s. Saved by the Bell's late 80s, yeah. early 90s. So I think you could get away with that. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're definitely going to have some denim jackets. That's all I'm saying. Oh, lots of denim jackets. Though she Wanda's going to have bangs and long hair. I'm yeah. certain of it. There's no <laughs> doubt. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm really excited. And I'm also interested to see, yeah, what genres are they going to tackle moving forward? So obviously it's all been sitcoms so far. But as we get into the 80s and then the 90s, mm-hmm. and then once you get to the early 2000s yeah, it gets it's like, really where do you interesting go from there are we just doing friends are we going to do a reality <laughs> tv show are we going to do a csi episode oh my God, you know please. uh like just there's a lot of every tv trope just do it all <laughs> yeah there's, there's lots of different things that can do with it so i think as long I, i'm I, and again i'll go back to what i've been saying this whole time which is i find all that stuff really charming and fun but i it really needs to serve the greater story and i just i'm all about them doing those sort of uh, homages and tributes and, and parody of, of, you know, those sitcoms, but I hope they find really clever ways to work it into mm-hmm. the larger story. I, I think that they might continue being a little meta. I think that they will maybe have, maybe not a whole episode, but at least a section that kind of shows you what Geraldine or Monica went through when she first went into, cause we don't know that, uh, you, you know, you just kind of see her pop up and maybe we could see like what she was going through uh, during those that first day or two that she was in Westview and was like, didn't know what was going on. Yeah, most definitely. And I also wonder, you know, you, you mentioning the Agatha Harkness thing. I mean, is Wanda being manipulated? You know, even if she's the one who and I, I still think that question still remains unanswered because maybe she's obviously Wanda's the one creating it. But is someone manipulating her to do this? I think someone is. Uh, like I said, I mentioned we see the commercials that have the Hydra symbol. You know, we even see Stark. Uh, so it kind of seems like there's more at play here. And you kind of notice at the end of the episode when she, you know, <laughs> which is kind of crazy. She shoves Geraldine, you know, like through the walls and uh, which is kind of crazy. Um, and then you kind of have a moment cause she was kind of like really 
almost seem really evil in that moment and very dark. But then when she realizes what she did, what she did, you can kind of see this look on her face like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I just did that. So it's kind of like maybe thinking like, I feel like someone's kind of manipulating her. Uh, you know, whether it's an experiment once again, which is what, you know, her life has been. It's just one big experiment or something else. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, most definitely. Well, we have a lot of uh, exciting things ahead with WandaVision. And I guess I wonder, like, where do we see this going in the larger MCU big picture? Um, my master theory here, as I mentioned and alluded to this earlier, that I think the the, the multiverse is going to have a, a really big role to play. Uh, the next Doctor Strange movie is in the multiverse of madness. And also the next Spider-Man is going to have an appearance from Doctor Strange and According to all set reports, without getting too spoilery for those of you who want to stay spoiler free, it appears there are going to be multiple realities in the Spider-Man movie as well. And I think there's a, a, a definite connection between Wanda's ability to manipulate reality and multiple realities. So uh, I, I, I wonder if they might be laying some of the track for that here as well. Mm -hmm. I think they are. I think this is definitely helping set up for the multiverse. I think that's, that's going to be a thing. And I think this is going to maybe even something that people come maybe didn't watch in the beginning because they're like, yeah, I don't really want to watch that. And maybe they come back and watch it because they're like, oh, this actually answers a lot of questions. Maybe even in the future after we've seen more um, MCU movies having to do with multiverse probably. Well, I mean, even Loki. That's mm -hmm. another yeah. multi-reality thing too because Loki is, I don't know what the actual universe number is by the Marvel comics, but let's call it the prime Marvel cinematic universe. Loki's dead. Mm -hmm. Like he died. So we're getting another reality version of Loki. So I do think this is going to be a pretty common theme that we see a uh, movie had, if not the driving force, because in game definitely set up this idea that there are multiple realities to be explored. All right, Lauren, well, we are about out of time. Is there anything else you'd like to add about WandaVision episodes one through four today? I just had a couple things I wanted to mention, a couple more Easter eggs that I thought were uh, good to note. Uh, in episode two, when they have the cabinet of mystery, you know, when he's doing the magic act, uh, on the front is actually the Mind Stone, which, oh. which of course is the mind stone that is was, in vision that killed him when it was taken well, from his head. Yeah. When it was taken, <laughs> well, which, which, the mind stone that uh, gave him life, but then in return killed him. Uh, and then another thing, which I thought was really cool. Uh, and I did not, uh, you know, I did not notice this. Uh, I looked it up, but I thought it was really cool. Uh, in the second episode as well, when she's, trying to set the table, you know, she's moving everything with her mind and you can see a wine bottle uh, pouring wine into a glass and the label on the wine actually says uh, Maison du Mépris, which it translates to House of Misery, Ooh, okay. uh, which references the 2005 comic arc House, House of, of M, M, where Scarlet Witch has a mental breakdown and alters the fabric of reality. Kind yes. of sounds like this show. Yes, uh, of course. Uh, the House of M, for those of you who've been reading about WandaVision online, House of M has been cited as one of the key inspirations for the series. Very good Easter egg uh, diving there for us, Lauren. Thank you uh, so much for bringing that to listeners' ears. So listeners, keep your eyes open for Easter eggs to see if if there are any that you can spot that maybe Lauren didn't catch and you can email those to us at the cinematropolis at gmail.com. Lauren, it's been such a pleasure talking about WandaVision with you uh, again today. Where can people keep up with you and all of the beautiful work you are doing online with video peach? Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at video peach productions and also on Facebook video peach productions. Wonderful. And of course, you can always find all the things at the Cinematic Schematic over at thecinematropolis.com, or you can subscribe via your preferred podcast app. The biggest way you can support the show is by heading on over to Apple Podcasts and giving us a rating and review. We aren't currently making any money off this, so any contribution you can make with your time there would be greatly appreciated. Now, 
This is only one of what will probably be two, maybe three episodes on WandaVision that we'll have throughout the year. We'll be back with a part two discussion of WandaVision later in the season. In the meantime, we are in the the midst of rolling out a very special interview series here at the Cinematic Schematic in the Cinematropolis. Uh, We just published the first episode of our three films that got you through the 2020 pandemic series with Alex Picard Davis, the executive director of Dead Center, earlier this week. And I really hope you'll consider checking this out. In this series, I am speaking with various people working in different aspects of the entertainment industry to hear how the pandemic has impacted their line of work before talking with them about three films that helped get them through it all. So if you could, make sure to subscribe and you'll catch each of those episodes when they come out every Monday morning. Thank you so much for joining us, everyone. We'll catch you again next time. Uh...